I don't know about you, um, but in our house, New Year's Eve was a fairly uneventful affair this year. Uh, we were looking at all the different news stories and videos of the places in the world where we normally have this massive amount of festivity with thousands gathering, and most of them were vacant. Uh, we just spent time in our house, just my wife and kid and I, um, rang in the new year. We got on a Zoom call with some friends and had a 7 o'clock little kid fake ball drop uh, via YouTube, uh, which we never actually dropped the ball. We just talked for half an hour, and then all the kids went to bed. Uh, my wife and I were asleep by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, um, which I think is an indicative day of what this year has been about. Um, as we look, uh, one of the things I love at the end of the year is people post all these reflections about their years on social media and you know, whether they're talking to you in person or over lunch. They, they tell you about all this year in review stuff. News articles everywhere. Pretty much every magazine outlet will have their year in review. And I don't know about you, but this year the reviews were fairly depressing. Uh, I think the consensus for most of us is that we can't wait to put 2020 behind us and move into <laughs> the year 2021. Uh, I think we have a hope for this year. We have a hope that things will be on the up. Uh, we have a hope that we will be able to spend time with loved ones again. And I think we want to just leave the year of past in the dust as fast as we can. However, I, I want to caution against doing so very quickly and perhaps a little callously. One of the things that is most important in, in the Christian life is a time of intentional reflection. I think we have a tendency to want to move on so quickly. We don't want to think about all the negative of this year. We just want to forget it and move on. But God calls us to be a people that looks back, which is why the sermon this morning is entitled Looking Back and Looking Forward. In order for us to move into the new year, it is important and imperative that we look back. God does that with his people. He, he commands us, as we'll see this morning, to be a people that are reflective in nature. And so this morning, I want to look at just two instances of such a reflective type of nature in scripture. And the first is in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 11, and the second is in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, so let's, let's take a, a peek into some of these verses this morning. The first is Deuteronomy 11, 1 through 7. Um, one of the things that is really important to understand about the, the Israelites is that they are a, by nature, forgetful people. If you look back in the Exodus, uh, there, there's in Exodus 14, we have the magic, the parting of the sea as, the, as they walk through and they're chased by the Egyptians. And the Lord in his mighty hands crushes the entire Egyptian army as he leads them to safety. Picture being there in the midst of that scene. Picture being one of the Israelites who walks through walls of sea on either side of you, comes through the other end, is pursued by one of the most mighty armies known at that time, only to see them mightily crushed by your God and to stand safe on the other side. As God promised he would lead them out of Egypt, so he delivered and he led them out of Egypt. But yet what do we see a mere two chapters later? In Exodus 16, the people begin to grumble. They're on the other side. They stand delivered. And what do they say? God, we don't have anything to eat. And then here's the phrase, oh, that we would be back in Egypt. <laughs> Can you imagine having witnessed such a mighty thing of the Lord and then grumbling about a lack of food? And then I love that God just makes food show up. 
You have to picture him going, I just led you through the sea. Can you not think that I can feed you? Here, I'm going to rain food down. Right? The people of God have a tendency to very quickly forget. And so in Deuteronomy 11, the Lord urges an intentional and reflective remembrance. So let's take a look at that right now. It's in Deuteronomy 11, verses 1 through 7. It says this, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I'm not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abraham, Abraham, sorry, the sons of Eliab, son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. In verse 2, we have this word, consider. That word is translated from the Hebrew, yada, and yada shows up 43 times in Deuteronomy, and it's not usually translated as consider. There's, it's usually translated as know, and the implication here is kind of almost an imperative. It's not just to know, but it's you better know. You ought to know. You must know or remember. And so when the Lord says consider, he's saying you have to remember. It is a command that you remember what I did for you back in Egypt. You must remember. You have to think back to what I've done for your people. Later on, we're going to read that he, that he instructs them to teach their children what he's done. God commands that his people constantly look back to remember how he has been at work in mighty ways in the midst of not just their lives, but the generations of God's people's lives that go before them. Why does he do this? Because the Lord knows. He knows us so well. And God understands that we are naturally a forgetful people. If we do not take the time to remember each and every day what God has done for us, we have a tendency to stray from his ways. We have a tendency to put our faith and trust in other things. We have a tendency to put our faith and trust in things like politics or leaders so that the outcome of elections will sway where we put our trust and hope. But instead, God says, no, you must remember. And he tells us a little bit later in this verse exactly why. We remember so that we stay steadfast. See, a little later in chapter 11, we get this warning. He says, if you will obey me, then there will be these blessings. But if you don't, there will be curses. And then he says in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, you shall therefore, so that this doesn't happen to you, so that you don't stray from me, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your hearts and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. Look at all that metaphorical language. It's not just, hey, remember what I did in Egypt. Write it down. Put it on your doors. Teach it to your children. Make it so it's literally in front of your eyes at all times. Write it everywhere you can. Whatever it is, whatever mechanism that you need to do, remember how I have been at work. Because if you do, you will avoid growing weary in your faith. You will consistently be reminded of how I am working in your life. And as you can see through the rest of the Old Testament, the Israelites don't do a really great job of this, which is why we have a continued falling away, which is why we eventually end up with kingdoms and the split of those kingdoms, and both kingdoms fall and they end up being exiled into Assyria and to Babylon, even for the Lord to bring them back. Over and over and over again throughout Scripture is the story of God's people being instructed to remember, but forgetting. So how do we remember? What do we do? This morning we sang my favorite hymn, even though there was some glitches <laughs> with the service this morning. Come Thou Fount is easily the favorite hymn of mine. And in the second verse, there's this phrase called, Here I raise my Ebenezer. And most of us probably have little to no idea what that means or where it comes from. Um, a lot of modern versions of that song actually leave that verse out entirely. The hymn Come Thou Fount was written by Robert Robinson in 1758. About six years prior, Robinson was a drunk hanging out with a gang of thugs and went to hear a famous pastor by the name of George Whitefield preach. Uh, he went to, there, to that preaching to mock him, only to be transformed by those words. And over the course of the years that followed, he not only came to know Christ, but he became a pastor and then penned this hymn. The phrase here, I raise my Ebenezer. The Ebenezer comes from 1 Samuel 7, 12. In 1 Samuel 7, the Israelites are fighting with the Philistines. And the Philistines just handed them a mighty loss. The people of Israel had started to put their faith in the Ark of the Covenant. They said, as long as we have this with us, nothing will happen to us. And so they started to worship other gods, and they started to stray away from the one true God. And so the Lord allows the Ark to be captured by the Philistines. Once they have it, there's these curses that befall. Everything bad imaginable starts to happen to the Philistines to the point where they eventually get rid of the ark and return it to the Israelite people. And, and Samuel starts to urge the people to return to the Lord. He says, stop putting your faith in all these other gods. We have to forsake them and go to the one true God. And when they do, and they ask Samuel to pray, and Samuel prays and petitions the Lord, eventually the Lord hands them victory over the Philistines in a miraculous way. And so to celebrate this victory, Samuel does the following. Let's read. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. 
But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines. And he threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shanah and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. And so the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Samuel sets up the stone and he calls it Ebenezer. It literally is translated stone of help. What he's doing is he's erecting this reminder, this tangible way for the people to look at and consistently, not just in their generation, but in the next, be reminded that the Lord has delivered them in this moment. Every time a child, generations later, would look at this stone and ask, why is it here? The generations up and up and up would be able to tell the story of why. The fact that God delivered them when no one else could. And so it stands as this reminder, this tangible way of knowing and trusting that the Lord is good and with us. So the question is this, should we start putting up stones everywhere? Maybe next week when you come in, we will have a nice big stone altar here for Paul to preach next to as a reminder that the Lord... No, of course not. But what we should do is find every tangible way that works for you, both individually as a family and as a church body, to remind ourselves of how the Lord has been at work. That's why when we walk through the church, we have pictures of things that the Lord has done. We have pictures of kids that have gone on mission trips and have served. And we have the stories of how the Lord has been at work in those times. I can walk through, because I wasn't at this church yet, but I was with a church that partnered with you, that we went on mission trips together. I can go through the hallway right now and I can see photos of mission trips and remember what the Lord has done on those trips. Every time I come into this sanctuary, there's a flood of memories of, of ways that the Lord has worked through testimony of the things. We are called by God to be radically intentional about reflecting and remembering. And whatever we must do in order to make that happen is what we are called to do. We put things in our house. We teach our children. We talk to each other. We have times of testimony we share praises with the church family throughout the week. Maybe you're someone who likes to write. Write down every time the Lord answers a prayer. It's one of the most tangible things you can do. Get a cheap notebook. I don't care if you like to journal or not. You don't have to write anything fancy. But just keep a log of the way that the Lord has answered prayers throughout your time. And when things get difficult, when there's a temptation to forsake him, open that up and look through it and see how the Lord has been good. This has been a tremendously rough year. But I can tell you that as I look back on 2020, there are ways that the Lord has worked. The Lord has slowed us down in some ways. Some of us were running at a million miles an hour, and the Lord forced us to take pause, to spend more time at home. I've gotten more time with my son than I ever would have some of us called loved ones that we haven't talked to in forever because we knew that they were home and alone. 
The Lord is moving. The Lord is doing things. The Lord did not waste the year 2020. For 365 days, 24-7, he was actively at work in the lives of his people. And he will continue to do so in 2021, no matter what it brings. So our role as his people is to look back and see how the Lord was good. Make a note of it. Write it in your homes. I always used to tell students as a youth pastor, take sticky notes and put them on your bathroom mirror to remind yourself of whatever the Lord's goodness is that you need to know that day so that every morning when you get up, it's one of the first things you see. Don't go to your phone, don't go to Instagram, but go to that and see that the Lord is good. And one of the things it will do is it will cause in his people, in us, an optimism and not a blind one. Don't hear me wrong here. I'm not asking you to disregard the, the dumpster fire that was 2020. <laughs> I'm not. But in the midst of it, it will cause an optimism that says, even in the midst of this, we serve a God who is working and active and good. It will cause us to put our faith in things that are eternal. And it will start to say, our lives, our future, our well-being, our ultimate reality is not shaped by who wins an election, or by what the spread numbers, percentages of a pandemic used to be, but it will be guided and shaped by the Lord of hosts, the one who carried his people through Egypt, the one who carried them into exile and back out, the one who sent his son, as we celebrated a few weeks ago, to die for us on the cross so that we might have eternal life, and the one who promises us that our last breath on this earth will not be our last. The one that works through all circumstances, the one who deserves our trust and our faith and our allegiance. Imagine, imagine if this week, when we sent out tomorrow morning our prayers and concerns, when Kathy sends out that email, if it was filled with not just the prayers that we have need for, but if it was filled with testimonies of how the Lord has been at work. I challenge you this week, submit a prayer request on the website. Send it to Kathy at office at stillpress.church. Send prayers, praises of how the Lord has been at work this year. Let us have an email that goes out tomorrow that just lists all the ways that God has been good and faithful and steadfast. I believe as a church we need to be better about speaking through the ways that God has worked in the lives of us as his people. We tend to treat church and prayer concern time as kind of the way Amazon reviews are made. Most people with a good review don't write anything. Most people that have a bad review say a lot. Right? Imagine, imagine if we used that time as a time of testimony. To say, praise the Lord, this year this is what he's done in my life and my family's life. Praise the Lord that despite the fact that we have things like internet connection problems and a pandemic that doesn't allow anybody to be standing in this room with me right now, that we can still come together to worship. That a pandemic doesn't hinder God's worship. It doesn't. I want to challenge you this week to reflect intentionally on the last year and to see how God has been doing good in your life. It's what he commands the Israelites to do. It's what he still commands us to do today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
We thank you for the way that you've been at work. We thank you for all the things this year that you have done to allow worship to continue, to allow your people of Stowe Prez and globally to get together, to be with one another. We thank you for the fact that you've slowed us down and caused some intentionality in our lives. And we praise you. We praise you for the gift that we have to sing your praises this morning, whether it's at 10.15 or 12.30 or at 2 p.m. And as we go into this next year, Father, we, we pray that we would do so reminded of your goodness, that whatever comes in 2021, that you would be our rock and our stone of help, our Ebenezer. We love you and we praise you. And all his people said, amen.